Input. Output. Hi, this is Input Output, and I'm your host, Mark Yarm. Today on the Input Output podcast, we've got stories about devices that go on your wrist and in your skull. Good morning and welcome. We are so pleased that you could join us today. We've got some really exciting product announcements to share with you. This is the new Apple Watch Series 6. Series 6 is our most colorful lineup ever. Apple recently unveiled its Apple Watch Series 6, which boasts a blood oxygen monitor, a two and a half times brighter display, and four new colors. It also introduced the more affordable Apple Watch SE, the iPad Air 4, and Apple One, a bundle of the company's most popular services. InputMag.com Senior Reviews Editor Ray Wong wrote about the new Apple Watches. Here he is reading an excerpt from one of his pieces. The Apple Watch SE is Apple's most aggressive attack on its competitors. Apple isn't just throwing a few light jabs and punches at its rivals anymore. With the Apple Watch SE, Apple just roundhouse kicked the living daylights out of Wear OS and Samsung's Tizen-based smartwatches. Welcome back to the show, Ray. Thanks for having me again. So tell me about the new Apple Watches that are coming out. So Apple announced two new Apple Watches. There's the Apple Watch Series 6, that is the flagship top tier smartwatch. And then there's the Apple Watch SE. And so let's start with the Series 6. That one has a brand new display, which is 2.5 times brighter. It also has a blood oxygen monitor. It can detect the health of your blood just by, you know, scanning your your wrist, which is pretty neat. And that's really it. I mean, there are a couple of other features like family setup, which, you know, um, lets people who don't have iPhones use Apple Watches, which is like good for families with kids. But, you know, nothing major, nothing unexpected. Um, And then there's the Apple Watch SE. The second thing we're doing to make Apple Watch available to even more people is to create a new model that combines elements of Series 6 design with the most essential features of Apple Watch, all at a more affordable price. We call it Apple Watch SE. That one's $279, and it's kind of like a mashup between the Apple Watch Series 4, 5, and 6. It has some features from each, but also doesn't have like the blood oxygen monitor. So it has like the same design as Series 6, which started with Series 4. Um, so it comes in two sizes, 40 millimeters and 44 millimeters, and it only comes in an aluminum version, so no stainless steel models, and fewer colors, obviously. but it also only costs $279. Now, you don't get certain features like the ECG reader. You don't also don't get the brighter display. Uh, you also don't get always on display. But honestly, I don't think those features are totally essential. At $279, you're really getting a hell of a value. And if you've been sitting on the fence for an Apple Watch, this might be Sorry, the perfect device. Oh, oh, no. What was that? Oh, no. Siri just went off on my Apple Watch. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it knew I was talking about the new Apple Watches, and it's like, you're like, hey, I'm an older model. <laughs> we're we're going to leave that in the podcast. <laughs> so my question is, you're saying that the SE is going to destroy Android watches. Why? Really, the only reason that I think that most people choose 
Android Wear watches is mainly because of price, right? Historically, it's been cheaper than Apple Watches. Apple Watch starts, you know, the latest version starts at $399 for the smaller model and then $499 for the larger model. And then, you know, it prices up with cellular connectivity, different uh, materials, different bands. It can get pretty pricey. You know, the one I bought is like Series 4 two years ago, and I think I paid like $700 for it. But now you can get basically an upgrade version of the series four with like the series five chip with you know the always on altimeter for from series six like you get a really good device for a fraction of the cost and unless you're like a real diehard android user who you know refuses to like leave your android device i think for a lot of people this device this Apple Watch SE is going to be very, very attractive. For those of us like me who did not watch the event online, what other big news came out of it? The other big announcement was really the iPad Air. That's the fourth gen. And so it looks more like the iPad Pro. It's got slimmer bezels, a thinner design, and supports a magic keyboard. But maybe the coolest feature is that Touch ID is back. They nixed it from the iPad Pros in favor of Face ID, which this iPad doesn't have. But they brought back Touch ID. It's in the power button now. And during this pandemic, it makes sense that they would bring Touch ID back because, you know, people are wearing face masks and it's easier to just touch a sensor with your finger, authenticate, make your purchases and go about your day. Um, There's one more thing that we should probably talk about, which is Apple One, which is a bundling of its services. So there are a couple of tiers that you can uh, select from. There's, you know, the most basic subscription, a middle tier, and then a high-end tier. And those different tiers give you different Apple services like Apple Music, um, Apple News, iCloud Storage, Apple Fitness Plus, etc., etc. It's a good way to save some money if you are already subscribed to, you know, Apple services. It's kind of like, I guess, Amazon Prime only it's not for like shipping, <laughs> but it's about time that Apple like bundled its services and made things a little less complicated for its subscriptions. You can follow Ray on Twitter at Ray Wangi. Now on to today's second story. All right, welcome to the Neuralink product demo. I'm really excited to show you what we've got. I think it's going to blow your mind. In between upending the auto industry and trying to get people to Mars, Elon Musk is heading a company called Neuralink that wants to put coin-sized implants in human skulls directly connected to the brain using robot surgeons. These implants could have a wide array of uses, including helping people with severe spinal cord injuries walk again. But how realistic is all this? InputMag.com news editor Craig Wilson recently wrote about Neuralink. Here he is reading an excerpt from his piece. Asked whether Neuralink implants will ever be able to save and replay memories, Musk says, probably, and that he's aware of the dystopian implications of that. Quote, Essentially, if you have a whole brain interface, everything that's encoded in memory, you could upload, or backup, or restore. You could potentially download them into a new body, or a robot body, Musk explains, adding that, quote, the future is going to be weird. Welcome back to the show, Craig. Nice to be here, Mark. So after reading your story, my first question is, why would I trust Elon Musk to put a coin-sized implant in my skull? (laughs) It's an excellent point. I I guess that... 
Elon Musk's craziness and strangeness and, frankly, often objectionable behaviour notwithstanding, the man's got a pretty solid track record of delivering on some pretty outlandish things. You know, in terms of SpaceX, there was the suggestion that reusing rockets by landing them on floating platforms in the ocean was impossible and the talk of a madman. Only now it consistently happens and SpaceX continues to improve on that model. And the suggestion that Tesla could come along and build electric cars that people would want in sufficiently high numbers to upend the existing auto industry, well, Tesla's now the most valuable car maker on Earth. So whatever you think of Musk personally, he's shown that when he puts his mind to something and wants to build it, the odds are, even if he doesn't hit his own deadlines, that somewhere down the line, he might actually succeed. So how does this implant supposedly work and what can it do? So at the moment, this implant is the size of a sort of coin, say a US quarter, and it's got 1,024 connections on it. Now, the idea is that eventually this would be implanted into the human skull. So they would cut out a coin-sized part of skull. They would pop in this Neuralink link, as they call it, and they would then close it up again. So it would be imperceptible. Your hair, if you had hair, unlike you and me, would grow back over it and no one would ever have to know it was there. You would charge it at night with a sort of pad beneath your pillow in the same way that you can wirelessly charge a cell phone. And the reason you might want one is that Eventually, Neuralink is hoping to be able to fix things like spinal cord injuries. So if, for example, you have a severed spinal cord that has left you paralyzed below the waist, the idea here is that the combination of a Neuralink chip in your skull connected directly to your brain and another chip at the breakage or below the breakage of the spine could relay messages to one another that could do what the spine used to. So the hope is that they'll be able to map, for example, physical responses like moving your legs and then be able to replicate those directly to the brain with a Neuralink. So you'd be able to fix what is essentially the broken wiring that comes from a spinal injury. And so what other sort of stuff can it do? I understand uh, could help blind people see or help deaf people hear. The suggestion is that anything that the brain receives as a stimulus, you should eventually be able to map and therefore replicate. So, for example, as you mentioned, you could use it to repair blindness. Now, if the eyes themselves were too damaged, you could, for instance, use a camera and then feed that data directly into the brain. And some of this seems quite far-fetched. You know, Musk spoke, for instance, about interpersonal wordless telepathy. Fortunately, he also used the word consensual, which seems important because I, I'm not sure I want people coming directly into my brain with their thoughts. I, I feel like Twitter is a close enough approximation of that as it is. But the idea is that we've already seen versions of this with cochlear implants, which literally replicate audio directly to the affected parts of the brain and can make up for hearing loss. So this is the natural sort of extension of that. But at the same time, some of the claims do seem a little outlandish, at least at this point in where the technology is. You know, Musk trotted out, excuse the pun, three pigs to show off the progress to date. Now, the one had no implant. 
The other had an implant that had subsequently been removed. And the third had a current implant that was functioning. But all that we saw from the functioning one was that when the pig was fed, the implant, which was connected to bits of the brain linked to the snout, sort of fired and got excited. And there were all these sort of chirpy noises. Neuralink introduced a pig named Gertrude. Gertrude had a Link version 0.9 installed two months prior, and her device monitored neurons that represented her snout. Whenever Gertrude sniffed food or a handler touched her snout, a screen showed activity in her brain spiking while making little beeps and boops. But actually translating that into usable data that can then be used to, for instance, make people walk again, there's still quite a big gap, I think, between what we saw and the claims being made. Yeah, I'm a little skeptical, I have to say. I mean, we were burned by Theranos already. Do you think this is, <laughs> I mean, do you think this is real or is this science fiction? So I read a lot of stuff around this after the, the news broke. And, you know, the thing that's curious about this, too, is that Musk is by no means the only person and Neuralink is by no means the only company working on this sort of thing. You know, the technology itself isn't new. There are plenty of neurosurgeons and neuroscientists doing similar work. The question is really going to be about how well Musk's organization is able to execute. And the one thing that is in their favor, though, of course, is that he moved up the ranks, I believe, and is now in the top five richest people on Earth. So the one advantage that Neuralink has over other companies, at least, is very, very deep pockets. Now, I'm not sure that we're going to see wireless interpersonal telepathy anytime too soon. But then I'm also not particularly interested in that use case, at least not yet. I think it's the sort of palliative and medical, you know, assistive services that are the most exciting. I think if we can give people back lost senses or we can, you know, treat pain in new and, and effective ways, the real challenge is going to be bringing this down to the cost that everyone can afford. Because as with so much medical tech, I think, you know, it's all good and well saying, well, we can print you a new heart. But if we've learned anything, particularly from the American healthcare system, it's that those kind of innovations don't come cheap. If it's really going to make a difference, it needs to not only do what it says in the box, but it needs to be in the realm of the affordable. You can follow Craig on Twitter at Craig Wilson, and I am at Mark Yarm. For more news from the world of technology and culture, visit InputMag.com. You can click on the links in the show notes for the stories we discussed today. New episodes of Input Output are released three times a week. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. You can find Input Output on your smart speaker or whichever podcast app you use. Thanks for listening. <laughs>